It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Is Cork Today with Patricia Massinger on the home of Cork's greatest hits. Cork's greatest hits. Cork's, Cork's, Cork's greatest hits. See one. And a very good morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme on this Thursday. Bernie's taking your calls, 1850-333-103. Text and WhatsApp uh, also available to you at 0862-103-103. would love to hear from you uh, throughout the morning. And I want to go back to yesterday's show because we had a lot of reaction to a piece that I carried in the last hour when I was talking about a parish in County Carlow where the parish priest had decided to scrap a dedicated First Holy Communion Day and instead at a public meeting of, I'm assuming, of the the parents of the children attending all of the First Holy Communion classes, they were told that there wouldn't be a dedicated... There wouldn't be a dedicated day for First Holy Communion this year. Instead, this year, the parents of the children were invited to bring their children along to Mass on any Sunday in May or June. It was up to the parents. Whatever Sunday suited them, they could just pop along with their son or daughter and then their son or daughter would receive their First Holy Communion. Now, there was consternation by the parents of the parish who felt the they spoke about things like the tradition of First Holy Communion was being taken away from their children and that it wasn't anything to do with the big day out. It was all to do with the children being with their their friends, their classmates and they wanted to have their special day. Now, we when we spoke yesterday, we mentioned that a petition had been started in the parish to bring back the old tradition and instead of having First Holy Communion on any Mass Day in May or June they wanted a particular day well I can now tell you the parish priest has reversed his decision he has responded to the 250 people who signed that petition to protect their tradition of First Holy Communion. There was three schools uh, involved. Uh, Father Little had initially sent, oh it was a letter, he'd initially sent out a letter to everybody in the parish explaining why the dedicated communion days, um, why he was changing from uh, having one dedicated communion day and instead he was going to have any Sunday in May or June. So the letter stated meetings were held to discuss the programme and Father Little says he thinks that the first Holy Communion practice does not seem to be working as he says the children are not being brought to Mass on a regular basis. The emphasis, he says, seems to be on celebrating the big day out rather than forming a spiritual 
nurture a relationship with Jesus, which must be nurtured. How do you nurture, nurture that? By regular practice such as prayer, a Christian way of life, listening to God's word in the scripture, celebrating human goodness. And obviously that entails going to mass every Sunday. Now, Anne Lennon was one of, uh, she was actually the mother who started the petition because her daughter, Isabel, is due to make a communion this year. She says both herself and Isabel are absolutely delighted. She says this was never about having a big day out, but it was all about the ceremony. She said her family are all practising Catholics. They go to Mass regularly. She said it was an important day for them. She said, she said her daughter now is happy. All her daughter ever wanted was to be with her classmates on their special day. And she says her daughter is also uh, goes to Mass regularly. Another parent is quoted in the Irish, in, speaking to the Irish Independent earlier in the week, so that everybody was devastated at the initial decision and that families didn't want to take that day away from their children. So in this updated statement from Father Tom uh, Little, he has written and said he is convinced that every child likes to go to Mass and that the suggestion was made that from the date they were enrolled in the church, I'm assuming he means that the children would be brought every Sunday to Mass in their respective parishes. The clergyman said it was his continued hope that the parents would now take more ownership of the communion programme by helping the school and helping the parish to enlighten the children of God's love and that it was evident at the meeting that parents felt that the children would like to celebrate the day of their First Holy Communion with their classmates to that end. The children now will be able to do that. They will have First Holy Communion with their classmates and what they've now done is they have set aside and I don't know if this is normally what happens in this parish because to me this is a little unusual. the, The priest has set aside three different Sundays in May. The 12th the 19th and the 26th and each school is going to be allocated one of the one a Sunday each so I'm assuming it'll still be at a normal Sunday mass so he's kind of sticking to his guns but none of the parents can complain because all of their cla- all of their children in the class will be together I mean most parishes and uh, I'm, and I'm open to correction on this most parishes first holy communion mass is on on a Saturday, isn't it? Um, individual schools, sometimes schools will combine. Certainly, uh, back with me and Brian Baru, when I made my communion, we would have made it, there would have been the other girls' school and the boys' school would have been involved as well. Now, I don't think that's the way, that's the tradition today. I think the tradition today is each individual school. But it's a Saturday, isn't it, in, in the Cork parishes? I'm open to correction on that. I don't know if it's normally, because if you, if you go with the Sunday, I take it what will happen is it'll be a normal Sunday Mass and the First Holy Communion kids from the Gwail School or the Convent School or whatever it is will be there making their First Holy Communion. The parish priest then went on to regret any, any uh, confusion caused. And, but he did say, and this is a kind of a dig at the petition and the parents going to the press, etc. He said he would have preferred that the consultation meeting would have been seen as a work in progress rather than the media frenzy that ensued. He was also clear about what the church expects from parents in the run up to the big day, which includes this line. He's saying parents taking ownership of the programme and the children being fully versed in their prayers from the children's everyday prayer book. And one of the reasons that a lot of schools and we heard from a number of parents who told us it it has happened or has happened in their schools, a number of schools 
to the First Holy Communion class insist that the children go to Mass in the Sundays leading up to their First Holy Communion. Some schools insist for the four Sundays before. Others are saying it's for six Sundays before that they must be seen at Mass in their local parish in the weeks leading up to it. And that, I suppose, in some ways, is to make sure that the children have an understanding of what goes on in Mass because we have a lot of lapsed Catholics, people who still identify as Catholics but are not practising Catholics and that includes parents who have children for First Holy Communion and for Confirmation. They want their children to still uh, make and do the sacraments but they're not going to Mass every single Sunday or even on a regular uh, basis and therefore the child turns up and hasn't a clue has literally hasn't a clue what's going on. There's no one to stand, to sit. Now, I know they mightn't have all of the all of the prayers. They certainly in first of all, communion class wouldn't have all of the prayers learnt off for uh, to, to recite at Mass. But they should know some and they should know if they're regular Mass goers, they should know what happens at Mass. But for some children, unfortunately, that is not the case. So therefore, the school's doing their bit probably encouraged by the priest as well to get the children to go. So what they do is they tell the parents, you've got to bring your children to Mass in the Sundays leading up to your First Holy Communion. 1850 One um, of our listeners on this issue said, I totally disagree with this and it is the church bowing down to those modern parents, trying to please them to keep their numbers up. It'll be one day in May or June, all right, as the so-called modern parent stays in bed on a Sunday and they're out on Saturdays. I don't, I think those who don't attend Mass should be refused all of these things within the Church. That includes baptism, First Holy Communion, confirmation, marriage, etc. The Church would want to grow a pair. If this is made law, we will be folding the Catholic race Also, it is disgraceful to see some people at Mass with skirts or shorts up to their rear end. They have no respect for themselves or others. People need to stop and think about the way they dress. These are the ones who are actually practising and going to Mass. Some of them are not very respectful in the way they dress. 1850-333-103. Now, coming up on the programme this morning, we are going to try to dispel some of the myths around cancer. In particular, some of the myths that exist like fad diets for example that exist when people are getting cancer treatment because it seems this is cancer week and the Irish Cancer Society are worried that some people when they're going for cancer treatment start to believe some of these you know claims that are made sometimes by celebrities saying oh you can cure cancer by doing X, Y and Z if you cut this out of your diet you can cure cancer and of course some some of it is absolute bunkum and I'm sure some of it, you know, won't do, won't do you any harm. But some of the myths and some of the fad diets in particular can actually do harm to somebody, particularly somebody who's going through cancer treatment. So I suppose when you're going through cancer treatment, you'll grasp at every straw going, but really you need to be listening to the professionals. So we'll talk about that on the programme today. 80 years ago, yesterday, Bear Island was handed back to the state from the British. There was a ceremony yesterday to commemorate the 80 years of that event and we do not want to let the week pass without um, remembering that event yesterday so we'll talk about it today on the programme and comedian Frank Toomey is going to be joining me live in studio he is a one man show 
comedy snaps that's going to be in the Glen Theatre and Bantier on this Saturday night so we'll be previewing the show and having a chat with Frank uh, Toomey uh, and if you have any questions or any particular memories of Frank Toomey get them in I'm sure he'd love to hear uh, from you and Crime File number four Gadda Shikona will join us for this week's Crime File and Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins us answering all of your pet questions you can get your pet questions in throughout the morning and we'll put them to Jane uh, later on that and your comments well Welcome to 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 um, A listener was on saying, Patricia, I'm not sure if you got a message that I sent you in last week. I did. I just, we were too busy. I didn't get around to it. I was asking you about Bitcoin and is it a scam or is it for real? Well, Bitcoin is very much uh, for real. It's a, how would you describe it? A, a crypto uh, currency. It's, it's, it's like another form of currency, except it's not actually in you know, you don't have notes in it. It's all completely done online. Um, when you say, is it a scam? I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't describe Bitcoin as a scam, but it has been used in scams. So I suppose that's where the worry is. People pay for items in Bitcoin because it's it's like another currency. Um, and sometimes they're doing it and it's it's a scam and then they don't get their money back. So the same way that people use credit cards for to scam you out of money and they, you know, they'll get access to your credit card. The very same can happen uh, with uh, Bitcoin. I mean, this, the, the one thing with uh, Bitcoin is, uh, you know, it, there's, it's impossible to counterfeit or inflate. So for that reason, uh, it's, uh, it's a very safe currency. But yes, it can be used in some form of scams. So just be careful uh, with that. Uh, Pat says, Patricia, I was listening to you talking about the first a communion class and how the priest has done a U-turn and reversed his decision and I take it that's because of the 250 people who signed that petition. I didn't hear the men going on about it. It seemed to be all the mothers. These women are not telling the truth. Of course it's all about the big day for the mother and her shoes and her hat. People should cop on and start telling the truth says uh, Pat. Oh, I wonder how women feel about that. Is the big day out for the children? Do the men not enjoy the big day out as well, Pat? I mean, in many houses, it's almost like a family party in the entire family. I mean, it's one of the nice parts, I think, of First Holy Communions, if you want to look at the event outside of what happens in the in the church. I always, you know, looking back over the years, for certainly any First Holy Communions or confirmations, I thought it was always a, a lovely reason for all the family to get together because often enough families if, particularly if you're, you're, you're spread and you're, you live away from each other it's a nice occasion for everybody to get back and have a nice family day out I think so I don't know if it's just about the women and their hats and their shoes and the clothes they're going to wear on the day on the day sometimes it's the women have the stress of doing all of that and getting all of the family dressed and the house ready and preparing food and, and whatever else you have on the big day out but I don't know if you should just be blaming the women who want a big day out Pat but thank you for your comment to 0862-103-103 and a couple of things that I want to mention for fear the programme runs away with me and then I forget. Uh, just I mentioned this yesterday but I'll re- I want to uh, mention it again today the Irish Community Air Ambulance that we spoke about on Monday is landing in the GAA pitch in Castletown Bear tomorrow Friday at one o'clock. It's for all to see Everybody's invited to come along and see. You can ask questions. You can have your photograph taken. And the ambulance, the air ambulance will be there from one o'clock until three o'clock tomorrow afternoon. If you're in and around Castletown Bear, head to the GAA pitch. And Mary Colette Sheehan, who joined us in studio early in the week to talk about the Thomas Kent Symposium Talks. They are happening this weekend in Formoy. And remembering Formoy and remembering Irish history a hundred years ago at the end of the First World War. There's some 
fascinating, really fascinating talks are going to take place over the weekend. I've now been told that if you want to go along to any of the talks, the talks are entirely uh, free, but you still have to book your tickets on Eventbrite or if you're in Formoy, you can go along to Formoy Books, um, the Youth and Community Centre by the River uh, because obviously they need to keep track of numbers but they're not putting any charge. The only charge is for the dinner on Saturday night uh, obviously and that's selling out fast so you need to get working on that. But if you want to go along to any of the talks for the Thomas Kent History Symposium which is on this weekend, glad to report that all of the tickets are free. 1850-333-103 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment now. 1850-333-103. Now, debunking some of the many myths that exist around cancer is one of the main aims of Cancer Week 2018, which kicked off last Monday and runs right across this week. Dr. Robert O'Connor is Head of Research at the Irish Cancer Society and he joins me to try to dispel some of these myths. Good morning to you, Dr. O'Connor. Um, are we on? Good morning, Dr. O'Connor. Hi. I had the wrong photo. Good morning. You're very welcome to the programme. Good morning. Now, Thanks for having me on the show. Now, the internet can be a wonderful tool, but is it also fueling a lot of the myths, especially when it comes to cures for cancer? Uh, indeed, I suppose it fuels lots of myths around false uh, claims of causes of cancer and false claims of cures, uh, you know, very common ones that have almost become understood in popular media, even though they're incorrect, would be claims of cannabis, CBD oil, turmeric, curcumin, uh, various diets, etc., et uh, being cures for cancer. And it's simply not true. These things have been examined by uh, medicine, uh, by clinical trials, and they've been shown not to be the case. But when someone gets a cancer diagnosis, uh as a doctor, would you try to advise them not to Google what they have? So, so firstly, I'm not a clinical doctor. My uh, qualification is in the science of understanding how medicines work, particularly cancer medicines. Um, and I think it's a natural uh, thing for people to do, to go and look for information. Uh, any of us um, would, uh, would do that. I think what people really need to do is be very careful about where they go. Um, the Internet is really the Wild West uh, and if you put in certain search terms, um, you will see a lot of misinformation there. Uh, much of that is placed. So I think people are unaware um, that the algorithms uh, and the, the search returns are manipulated uh, financially in the background. So companies um, can put in uh, content and get that ranked higher up um, for a small fee. So things are not uh, neutral. They are, are not... Um, necessarily uh, giving evidence-based information uh, and so people need to be very careful where they go to and for example uh, cancer.ie which is our website in the Cancer Society uh, we look after that very carefully and make sure that only evidence-based information is put up there and there are other organisations like that so I think to go and look for information is perfectly natural uh, but one needs to be very careful where one looks. And can can some of these so-called cures actually do more harm than good? Absolutely, and I guess this is ultimately our fear. Uh, They can do financial good because obviously people are misled into spending money at a time, probably when they're already under financial strain and stress with other things about their uh, their illness, but they can do huge health damage. Uh, And for example, uh, down in Cork, uh, you have a number of researchers there uh, in the hospital and in the college, uh, Derek Power and and, and Aoife Aoife Ryan, for example, who've shown that uh, a lot of patients already present with cancer 
um, with nutritional uh, issues and with cachexia and sarcopenia, which are kind of wasting conditions undergoing in their in their body, which may not be evident. And unfortunately, if they do not uh, undertake proper nutrition as advised by uh, a dietitian, somebody qualified to give nutritional advice in cancer, um, they can become much more susceptible um, to cancer treatment. They may have to stop their cancer treatment early. And obviously, the cancer treatment is designed to target the tumor. So if you're not able to take the treatment, the, the treatment is unlikely to have the benefit that you might hope for. So these things can be hugely impactful. They can make people very unwell. They can uh, cause all kinds of psychological issues um, with people and their diet and uh, as well as essentially robbing them of money um, through false pretenses. Yeah, and unfortunately, these fad diets seem to be getting more common uh, on a daily basis. Uh, and yet, I take it, Robert, when somebody has cancer, you know, a proper nutritionally balanced diet can actually aid treatment. So cancer uh, is different things. So, uh, and I guess one of the things we're trying to get across is that cancer is not a single disease. It's a bit like talking about animals. There's lots of different animals, big animals, small animals, scary animals not-so-scary animals. Um, and the challenge is that uh, different patients will need different uh, expert nutritional um, support. And nutritional um, support needs to come from a dietitian, not from a cancer nutritionist, not from a naturopath, not from uh, somebody you know down the road who knows a bit about daisies. Um, it needs to come from someone who can actually support. And, and cancer treatment will uh, often involve very significant changes in um, taste, in perception, in maybe feeling nauseous, etc. And that may require expert guidance in helping someone to uh, overcome that and eat the right foods at the right time. It will also usually need a lot more energy. So a, a patient going through a cancer journey will need a lot more uh, energy foods. And frankly, they'll also need the psychological aspects of being able to eat uh, with comfort. They may have sore mouths from um, uh, infections and um, blisters, etc., in, in their mouth. So it's actually very complicated. And for someone um, to talk about a, a healthy diet in the cancer setting, uh, a cancer treatment setting, is actually quite technical. So in general, uh, we would recommend a healthy, balanced diet, but also the people in, in that situation need to get the expert advice and guidance customised themselves on what's going on inside in their body. And then for people uh, listening, Robert, who have concerns uh, about their health, rather than um, going to Dr. Google with your symptoms, it's to your own doctor you should be going, or at the very least, uh, the cancer nurse line. Absolutely. And I guess we're uh, fortunate. We've uh, got a number of supports for pretty much everybody in the country. We've got 13 daffodil centres which provide um, uh, oncology nurse support uh, expert guidance in a lot of different areas, two of those down in Cork, um, and uh, our free phone nurse line, 1-800-200-700. But uh, there, I suppose there are two kinds of, of people in that situation. There are the worried well, and I guess we're all trying to improve our health and, and make best use of our life, and we want to know, you know, what's a good guide for that? What should we be looking out for? What will stack the odds in our favour, etc.? And really, people should not look online with that because almost all of the information uh, online is, is uh, misleading in that, in that situation. And the basic dietary guidance is around having a healthy, balanced, mixed diet, um, not too many calories in there, and avoiding you know, sweet things and the things that we know um, are, are not good for us in large amounts. Where people feel uh, unwell, where they have symptoms, maybe things like tiredness that's been ongoing for weeks or months, uh, maybe bleeding, weight loss, whatever, those things need to be investigated properly and by a doctor, people need to go and have a chat with their GP. In many cases, I think they'll find reassurance that there may be something else 
um, growing on, not necessarily a cancer. But if there is a cancer, um, the chances are if it's caught early with going in and, and, and getting into the medical system um, that they've every opportunity to have a very good outcome. And if I use the illustration of bowel cancer, if bowel cancer is caught early in stage 1, 19 out of 20 people will be cured. In other words, they will never have to uh, have uh, any concerns in the future about bowel cancer. If, unfortunately, it progresses further into stage 4, and that will normally take many years, but if it's, it progresses into stage 4 and isn't um, treated until then, um, the uh, less than 1 in 10 people will be alive five years later. So you can see a huge growth. Uh, and this is why we recommend that, if, you know, if you have something that's niggling at you, if it's been going on for a period of time, it really is appropriate to get expert advice, not go on to Google and start think, looking at stuff there. And in general, unfortunately, Google will frighten people. But often there can be very banal explanations for different things and that, that happen uh, to, to people's health. So better to get a, a, an expert uh, guidance on that, not to be taken in by wellness seminars and, and people giving virtual online consultations and, and things like that. They need to go and talk to somebody who knows about their health, a GP, somebody that they trust um, with different aspects of their health. And I think they'll get usually a very compassionate, um, reassuring um, voice uh, from, you know, from that. And cancer, you know, it's such a horrible, horrible disease. But uh, are we winning the battles? Are we seeing more success stories? A, a complicated answer. So um, we are making significant progress, um, but it's not uniform across all the different forms of cancer. And you remember I, I mentioned this earlier that we've got lots of different types of cancer. So we're doing well on the overall population. Uh, so, for example, most testicular cancers are cured uh, 94 92%, so 9 in 10 cases of childhood leukemias are cured. Uh, and um, breast cancer, prostate cancer typically have very good outcomes. In some other areas like ovarian and particularly prostate, um, uh, sorry, um, pancreatic cancer, and the outcomes are, are not as good. And um, there are challenges, technical challenges, and reasons why that is the case. So all told, uh, nearly 6 in 10 people in Ireland with a cancer diagnosed this year will be cured of their disease. In, in other words, they won't um, have uh, evidence of cancer 10 years um, later. Um, and um, that pos- is, That's a positive statistic. That's a very positive, yeah. compared, compared to, you know, a couple of decades ago, where that figure would have been down at 3 uh, in 10. But we've still got a way to go, and we're also aware that treatment itself brings many complications, and there are probably over 170,000 cancer survivors now, and there's a big onus on us to try and provide the best of resources and supports for those people. It's not good enough to be, um, you know, go through good cancer treatment and then on the other side that life is, you know, very difficult and so on. And we know that um, quite a lot of cancer patients will have fatigue. Maybe a quarter of, of cancer patients who are treated will be left with lifelong disability as a result of the cancer and or its treatment. Uh, and those are things that we cannot accept. We have to continue to work to um, allow people the benefit of that um, treatment. And there are lots of things that can be done um, to help people get through that, uh, that cancer treatment and get out the other side to be able to enjoy the benefits of all modern science and, and research. And I should add that Ireland contributes very significantly to major advances in that um, research area. We've great organisations like Cancer Trials Ireland. There's a lot of research ongoing again uh, in UCC and in uh, in the, the hospitals down in Cork um, to try and find new ways to improve cancer outcome. And we need to contribute to that uh, and continue to support the amazing um, skill uh, and expertise 
of our uh, of our researchers. Okay, well, long may long may that great work uh, continue. And um, I also uh, was reading yesterday the Irish Cancer Society are welcoming uh, Minister Simon Harris's support for the inclusion of cancer labelling in the in the public health alcohol bill. I know there the industry is very much the alcohol industry very much against it, uh, but you see that as a very positive move. Absolutely, I, I suppose in general, um, our society is recognising that um, alcohol is a, is a problem, is a, is a health problem, and globally alcohol sales uh, are declining. And what we want is we want people in, empowered with facts. Um, the, the odd drink now and again um, is, is um, likely has limited impact on, on people's health, but people don't understand exactly how much alcohol they're consuming. They don't understand the health risks about that. They don't understand that each year more than 900 people develop an alcohol-related um, cancer, 500 of those people die each year. Um, and we need people to understand that. And I suppose what the Cancer Society will be advocating is empowering people with facts. Uh, and, and if you feel so inclined from those facts, then moderate um, your income as part of an overall um, healthy lifestyle, you know, good diet, good exercise, um, good fun with, with good friends. Okay. All right. On that positive note, we'll leave it, Robert. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks very much. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is Dr. Robert O'Connor, who's head of research at the Irish Cancer Society. And of course, if you have any concerns with regard to cancer, you can call the Cancer Helpline on 1800 200 700. That's 1800 200 700. Patricia Messenger on C103, nominated for Speech Broadcaster of the Year at the 2018 IMRO Radio Awards. Now, yesterday, a special ceremony was held on Bear Island to mark the exact day, 80 years ago, when the British handed over Fort Bearhaven to the Irish Free State. To talk about the event, I'm joined by Helen Riddle of the Bear Island Development Office. Good morning to you, Helen. Hi, Patricia. Hi. Uh, I'm, uh, you're welcome to the programme. I know uh, there was a flag-raising ceremony as part of the event yesterday. Describe what happened yesterday. Um, it was a fantastic day. We were delighted with how everything went. Um, basically, we wanted to reenact the way it was um, 80 years ago. The flag, the tricolour was raised in Fort Bearhaven on the 26th of September 1938, exactly one minute past midday, which is what happened yesterday. So um, we had great support. I'd like to thank them, first of all, from the 1st Brigade Artillery Regiment in Collins Barracks, Cork, who came down. Um, they conducted the whole military ceremony first, the flag-raising ceremony. Um, we had, just ahead of that, we had the last post was played. Then there was the flag-raising ceremony. Um, they played Ravelli. We had a 21-gun salute. Um, there was three 25-pounder guns arrived in the ferry on Monday <laughs> ahead of the ceremony. And then after the gun salute, there was the national anthem was played by the army band. And then we had a fly pass from the Air Corps Cessna wow. plane. So it was a great day for the island. Wow. And and, and all the islanders came out. All the islanders. Was, we had yeah. about 130 guests in total. Um, all the islanders, of course, they were invited. They all came along and a number of guests in the mainland, and we actually had family members of the original Irish Army um, advance party that came down in 38, um, the family of Lieutenant Lieutenant Billy Ray and also Corporal Jean Brannigan. So their, their family were there, and also we had, um, there was two national school teachers in the island who were present at the handover to watch it in 1938, and their descendants were there as well. Very special so, for those yes, uh, for those families. Has it been commemorated in previous years? We did an event for the 70th anniversary and a smaller event for the 75th. Now, there was one for the 50th, which was just a military event the army did themselves, just as a commemoration. So it wasn't yeah. really publicised as such, but um, we did this actually, um, this event, we did it through with help from the Heritage Council. 
Um, it's as part of their European Year of Cultural Heritage, it was one of their events that they supported us in arranging that. So um, I said we were delighted. It all went very well. It was a lot of work, a lot of planning over the past few months, but everything came right in the end. And just to remind listeners, I mean, as a fortification, how important was... Uh, Fort Bearhaven to the British. It was one of the treaty ports. Well, basically, um, Bearhaven Harbour is a long, deep, sheltered harbour. So, at one stage, the entire British fleet would have been anchored out outside in the harbour. And also, we had the American Navy here in 1917. Um, the American convoys protecting the Atlantic convoys. Um, they took shelter here as well. So, it was it was a very strategic port. Um, basically, there's been a British military presence here since 1797. Well, and of course, we know the Irish, yep. the Irish Free State came into being in 1922. So just explain why it took until 1938 um, to get the ports back. The, the, the ports, I mean, especially down here, the, the three treaty ports, there was um, Cove, Cork Harbour, um, here and Loch Swilly. And it was really the strategic importance. So it um, went, there was lots of negotiations over the years. So they were to be handed back in 38 we were the last one to be handed back but even then it was very much touch and go um nobody really knew it was happening until the last minute which is why there wasn't many locals present and even when the flag was raised at one minute past 12 um the embarkation was suspended there was an order came from the british government at one o'clock that day um to suspend the embarkation they were going to take repossession of the fort Whoa. so there's lots of toing and froing between the irish and the british government and four o'clock that day it recommenced the embarkation and the first boatload of British British soldiers left the island and then the final British detachment left on the 30th of September. And little did they know what was going to happen the following Literally year with the, following with year the outbreak of... Um, Germany invaded yeah, Poland I've, and the world was at war. Because I, I was reading a piece yesterday. Did did Churchill try to take take back the treaty ports during the Second World War? He tried to take... Well, for Behaven, there was rumours at the time that they were going to send to try and take it back by force which it would have changed things completely. I mean, if, if Ireland, basically, if, if they hadn't given back Bear Island, Ireland would have been at war. Yeah. So yeah, it, I, it really was... Our, our, history, yeah. our history could have been very different. Very much different, yes. I mean, um, after the, the Irish army took control, they were here for about another 10 years on the island. But um, the, the base is still used now, the, the Irish Defence Force is still used at the camp. Uh, for training purposes throughout the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, what remains and what reminders are left? Um, The actual barracks, the billets themselves, I'd say they're used all the time by the Irish Defence Forces, so they're in very good condition. Um, There were were seven gun batteries constructed on the island at the time. Um, A lot of those are in kind of not great condition, but the biggest one, Lone Hawk Battery, um, we're here at Bear Island Projects Group. We're at the moment developing that as a visitor attraction and it should be open shortly. That's surrounded by a large moat, and there's still two six-inch guns in place on the battery. So we're working with the Department of Defence to, to open that up now as, um, as a tourist attraction. I'm talking of a, a tourist attraction. Yes. Did you have a busy summer? Very busy. Was it? The weather, it was, yeah. I think it's one of the busiest here, just in, in footfall on the island, and obviously the weather helped. It was, it was great. And we still um a lot of walkers around. You, you still get lots of walking groups, even last weekend. There's a good few around. So um, we're trying to obviously prolong the, the tourist season if we can, and events like this yesterday is great that kind of thing great. and and do many come for the for the history an awful the, lot we'd have, we'd have an awful lot of military history events walking yeah. tours especially during heritage week and once the battery is open as well that will be a huge attraction to get people in there at the moment they can walk around the perimeter of it but it's obviously you want to go inside and see what's yeah. in there yeah and when do you hope to have it open? Um, hopefully in the next few weeks. We're oh. planning an event to commemorate the centenary of the end of World War One in November, the 11th of November. 
So um, if we're opening on a phased basis, we'll have the section with the guns that will be ready for opening and then as and when the funding comes up, we'll, we'll do the rest of the battery. But um, long-term plans, the whole place will be open. That's brilliant. And there is a huge interest in um, historical um, uh, tourist, uh, tourism from uh, history buffs. I mean, they just love We've had these lots places. of groups coming down here. Even um, we've had the UK Military History Society. They, they, now they have um, the UK Fortress Study Group. They come from all over the world. They're fascinated with the island because the thing with Bear Island... A lot of these forts were changed and modified for World War Two. Ours was just left, was built for World War One and left as it was. So it's it's quite unusual to have quite unique in that sense. Fort- yeah, fortifications not yeah. Exactly anything done to them, and they're in a very good condition. And it is, and as I mentioned earlier, and we actually spoke yeah. about this earlier on in the week, it's so important that we commemorate and remember these events, and for future generations. We're very keen here in Bear Island Projects, but we do lots of you know to, to preserve the island's history, and we work with the Heritage Council and our own heritage centre here to, to preserve all these and document them for future generations. And as I say, we were delighted with yesterday's event with the military involvement as well. I mean, the ceremonial aspect was just fantastic with the army band and it really made the occasion. So when everyone had a great day out now. I think everyone enjoyed it. Yeah, I saw the piece uh, that Jenny O'Sullivan did on the yes, news. Yes, they were great. The, the, uh, came down. It, it looked very, yeah. It did, it looked fantastic. Yep. The, the last post, I don't know what it is. That's it's not, very it, poignant when you hear that, oh, I think, yeah. It, 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 makes, it makes me cry every time I everyone, hear it. It's I think we just, had a lot of people commented on that here as well. It was just, it, and because where we had the service yeah. was the exact spot where yeah. the 1938 um, event took place as well. And I can imagine for the family members who were thinking of their family members who are no longer with us, of who were at in that exact spot. They would spot. have been literally stood in that My spot. God. We were keen and we, we would, there was only one photograph taken at the time. Um, as I say, it was so last minute when it was happening in 1938. Um, one of the Irish Army Detachment ran down to the local shop and a local Irish Army chaplain, Father Bob Murphy, happened to have a box camera. So he took the only picture we have in existence of the handover. Wow, that's special. So it was, it was a very special, special moment because even, even local school children came out that evening and saw the tricolour and that's how they found out that's how they found out it was just so much you know, touch and go till the last minute okay well well done and, the, and in the blink of the eye it'll be the 90 the 90th, and, and then, then the 100 the 100th, so uh, <laughs> we'll <laughs> chat we'll chat again and we'll chat before that Helen God bless That's and thanks great. a million thanks for so taking much. time to talk to us bye bye that is Helen Riddle of the Bear Island Project Group on that wonderful ceremony that uh, took place yesterday the organisers of the model farm display which was held at uh, Grena Sports Complex last Sunday week have been on to say would we say a big thank you to everybody who supported the day because they raised over €4,000 on the day for charity with all proceeds going to the the Motor Neuron Disease uh, Association and they're absolutely thrilled uh, particularly the Motor Neuron Disease Association are absolutely thrilled with the amount and size of the donation over €4,000 from a model farm tractor display so well done to anyone who turned out uh, on that day uh, to support what sounds like a great day out but the good news is that uh, a lot of money was raised now the Mass and children going to Mass and First Holy Communion we are still getting reaction to the story and just in case you've just joined us because we had a lot of angry people contact us yesterday over this this is the do with, the, with a parish priest in a County Carlow par, uh, parish who decided that rather than having a designated First Holy Communion Day that he told the parents 
if you've got a child for First Holy Communion, you simply turn up to any Sunday Mass in May or June, and that's how your son or daughter will make their Holy Communion. Parents very annoyed by it. A petition went, I'm, I'm assuming, online, and 250 people signed the petition. They were the the main argument was that First Holy Communion and First Holy Communion Mass and going along to First Holy Communion in the church with your classmates is very much part of a tradition that has been up that that the families want upheld in their parish as it happens all over the country and the way they made their communion and their grandparents and their great-grandparents etc. So they felt that they were really protecting a tradition. The parish priest has reversed the decision and uh, has now given specific dates for First Holy Communion Mass for the three schools in the parish but we are still getting commentary in on this. A listener says the children that do not attend Mass on every Sunday. Are they really Catholics? Should they really be receiving Holy Communion? Because I don't think so. Why do they even call themselves Catholic, says this texter. Now the texter says, Patricia, on the First Holy Communion, some of the parents don't even know whether to stand up or lie down when they're at the Mass for their son and daughter's First Holy uh, Communion. The Mass does not mean a thing to them. So somebody else pondering and wondering why parents are, want their child to make First Holy Communion. And Abigail in Kildare says you can get your children to go to Mass but once they hit 18 they're adults and then they will make up their own minds. She was at Mass in May and it was the day after the first Holy Communion Mass had been held and she said she counted there was only four children in the church at the Mass the following day so she thinks that the priest in Carlo that his plan was right let them get their first Holy Communion in the summer if that's what the parents want for their sons and daughters and then let the other families who you know who don't go to Mass and who don't want to bother with it let them simply just uh, not turn up but see this is the problem that's what the priest I think had been thinking of I think that's I think that was his his thinking behind it was that many of these families don't go to Mass on a regular basis. So he was kind of saying, well, isn't this the solution, as, Ab- as Abigail is saying, if you, if you come along to Mass and you're a regular Mass goer, then of course you'll want your son or daughter to make the communion. But if you're not a regular Mass goer, then sure, uh, and I helping you out here by taking away the pressure that's associated with making First Holy Communion and he thought he would be saving the money from having big day outs and all of that but um, anyway the families certainly didn't feel that way and they got very annoyed and they have forced him to reverse his decision and yesterday when we were discussing it we had a call in from a listener to say that parents of children in Mitchellstown who are making their First Holy Communion this year have been told that they must attend a Sunday school in Mitchellstown in preparation for the First Holy Communion Mass. Now I'm assuming it's for the parents and for the child making First Holy Communion and it's it's been billed as a Sunday school so I take it does it happen before Mass or after Mass? Well another parent has contacted us this morning and has said please do not disclose my name which I won't do to say that a letter came out to all of the parents of the second classes that they make communions uh, now uh, with a form attached uh, telling the parents that they had that the form had to be signed by both parents and that if the parents did not agree to attend the Sunday school then their child would not be eligible for communion but the real sting in the tail on this one according to this parent was the letter 
with the form that they had to fill fill in was sent home and I know it, it was received it was either posted out or it was sent home with the children I don't know which but anyway the families received it on Monday the 18th of June and the form the completed form had to be back in the following day to be returned to the school on Tuesday the 19th of June so as this parent says it wasn't giving the parents much time to think about it talk about it is this something we want to do as it had to be returned the following day some parents felt they were bullied into signing it. The fear of your child being isolated was too high. High, So this parent who's contacted us said nearly everyone signed. And I wonder, when you say nearly everyone, do I take it then that some didn't sign? They're not willing to go to the Sunday school for the six weeks or whatever it is, or four weeks leading up to communion next year. Does that mean that their son and daughter, uh, the priest is going to say, no, you're not allowed to make your first Holy Communion, which should be... It would be a rather awkward thing if it's inside in the church and the priest realises that this isn't one of, this is the child whose who's mammy and daddy didn't come along to Sunday uh, school. Keep us informed uh, on that. But we are hearing from a number of other schools. Now, I haven't heard of this form being filled in. This certainly is the first one. If anybody else want to, wants to enlighten us, has that happened in any other school or any other parish where a form that must be signed by both parents and if you don't sign it and don't agree to attend in this case it's the Sunday school or don't agree to attend a certain number of masses in the run up to your son or daughter's first Holy Communion uh, has anybody else been put under that pressure that you told your son or daughter will not be allowed to make First Holy Communion 1850 and playing devil's advocate here I can see where the priest is coming from the priest is trying to get the message out to people if you want your son or daughter to receive the sacrament of First Holy Communion then you must be practising Catholics what is the point of doing this if your child is not going to, hasn't been in, in a church before the day of the First Holy Communion and therefore unlikely to be in a church after the First Holy Communion so I suppose from that point of view he's forcing the hand of the parents to say you know, buck up here. Is this what you want for your children? If it is, then you need to row in. 1850 We mentioned the alcohol, the public health alcohol bill earlier. And says, Patricia, in relation to the alcohol bill, Simon Harris first needs to close the doll bar if he is so bothered. The politicians need to lead by example. The label on alcohol will not stop any young person from drinking. Are they now going to go ahead and label all food items? Most people drink responsibly. Soon they will stop us all from having any kind of fun. Why do people drink? Some drink because of financial worries and stress and work worries. Others, of course, just drink to socialise. Some days the politicians will drive us all to drink with all the waffle that they come out with, Suzanne, who is saying, you know, while Minister Harris is going on saying and he's fighting the drinks industry and putting these cancer label warnings on every bottle of alcohol and there's you know there's implications obviously for the because the labels will be different in Ireland because it would only be needed in Ireland that the drinks company would have to put the labels on so they'd have to have different labels for when they're exporting their drink so there's obviously there's a cost involved I can see for the drink industry as well but Anne reckons it won't stop anyone and particularly young people which is one the, you know the public health alcohol bill one of the big points because it's the minimum pricing is in it as well and the whole aim of that is to try to stop young people who don't have a lot of money to try to stop them accessing alcohol 
But Anne reckons a label on a bottle of beer or a can of lager or a shot of vodka with a, a, a vodka or spirit bottle having a label on it saying that this al- you know, alcohol can and does cause cancer is not going to stop certainly young people from drinking. 1850-333-103. And another issue I want to go back to that we had some calls in earlier on in the week and it was the donation by billionaire JP McManus to all 32 GAA county boards. JP McManus is a very proud Limerick man and when Limerick won the All-Ireland he decided to be generous to all of the GAA county boards around the country, all 32 and he donated 3.2 million euro to be divvied up every county board to get 100,000. Now I'm assuming that JP made this very generous donation and didn't put stipulations, didn't say I'm giving you this money and by the way this is the way I want you to spend it but a war of words has broken out as to how the money is going to be spent and it's the males versus the females if you listen to Joe Duffy this week you'll know exactly what I'm talking about ladies teams who are part of GAA clubs have been led to believe this would be the Ladies Gaelic Football Association and the Camogie Association they have been led to believe that they're not going to get a red cent out of the JP McManus donation because the Gaelic the Ladies Gaelic Football Association and the Camogie Association are separate entities and the argument has been that JP McManus gave this money to the GAA and the Ladies Gaelic Football Association and the Camogie Association is not part of the GAA uh, which I hadn't fully understood that they're they're different associations and they're not under the umbrella of the GAA well, According to a piece by Ray Nugent in The Independent today, the ladies' clubs who are part of a GAA club will benefit from the money because the money is going directly to the county boards um, and then the way the money is spent will benefit the ladies. You know, I suppose one obvious example would be if all of the 100,000 used was going, say, to the club grounds and obviously the, the local Kawoki team and the ladies football team use the grounds, then everyone will benefit there. But I suppose only time will tell because it is, um, and uh, unless JP McManus comes out and clarifies what, where he wants the money spent, and I don't think he can really do that. I don't think he can really, really do that. I think it's going to be a war of words between individual county boards because some county boards will do that, I'm assuming, They'll put the money into the club grounds. But if some of the county boards decide, say, no, we're going to put the whole 100,000 into, say, the senior team, then obviously only the boys will benefit and not the girls. So, But, uh, but anyway, the, the interpretation is that any of the... The, because the majority of the ladies' teams um, operate within the GAA club, they are, therefore they will benefit from the funding. Now that is just, that's what a spokesperson, but there's no name. It doesn't say who the spokesperson uh, was. So, as I say, only time will tell. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. Part-time driver is required for the Mallow area. Need to have a full truck license. Experienced qualified chef is wanted to work daytime hours Monday to Friday. That's in Mallow Town. While an experienced hairdresser is wanted to work part-time flexi hours in the hair lounge in Bottevant. And an AIM worker is required for a preschool in Kilmallock. Fitech level 5 please in 
childcare. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Text Patricia with your comment now. 86 103 103. Now Cork actor Frank Toomey is bringing his one-man show called Comedy Snaps to the Glen Theatre in Bantir this Saturday night for one night only. And I'm delighted to say Frank Toomey joins me in studio. Good morning to you, Frank. Good morning. Uh, and and you're, you are very welcome. And, Thank and you. Firstly, for fear I forget, you go, it's your birthday on Saturday. It is. It is my birthday on Saturday and we had agreed to do this show uh, as a spin-off from a successful run we did in the Cat Club. Myself and a guy called Sean Christopher Tracy. He's not coming, unfortunately, because, uh, you know, double bookings and stuff like that. He was yeah. well booked. So I got a, 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 a an entire orchestra to come with me. <laughs> You're, wind- so, You're winding now, are you? No, no, I am a little winding, yeah, but I have two musicians. You have two musicians. Uh, That's an entire Neil and his girlfriend, and honestly, they're brilliant, absolutely. Uh, they're called Silverdales, okay. and he's... Um, I didn't know what I was uh, booking. I just booked him on, because somebody said, you better get this guy, because somebody will book him. Yeah. Do you know who he sounds like? Ed oh. Sheeran. Oh, wow. No, he doesn't mean to and he's not doing yeah. impersonations of it, Sharon, but maybe they sounds, all sound yeah. like that. And is no. he Cork lad? Cork lad. Is he, yeah. Brilliant. Wow. So the music will be, um, the music is only kind of fillers, yeah. but, but it's very good, very yeah. entertaining. And it's essential because otherwise it's just, you know, people waiting waiting on me to, to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, and yes, I'll be I doing see. all this stuff from yeah. um, Oak um, just, I, I, I'm going to talk to you in a second about what you'll be doing, but do they know in Bantir it's your birthday? Um, they do. They do, what well, they do now, yeah, I was just saying They that. do, I, they I, do. I, Are you sending signals out? Yeah, I am, yeah. We Are want you? a cake for Frank, please. Oh, stop. Anyway, God, I'll have to act oh, surprised okay, now. Okay, now, now <laughs> you um, talk to me about the show. It's interesting how the show the show came about really almost by mistake. Oh, well, well, yeah, absolutely. I was doing a funny Friday for RG and a friend of mine who normally listens to this would would always say, "Well done, da 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 da." But he, he I got a text to say, "Missed the show. I didn't get Jerpa today because we were on it early, myself and Packy." And uh, he said, "Didn't see or didn't hear you today. I was at the cat club." So I said, well, "I was on the cat club, but a lunchtime thing. It was." A chap doing thing. He said, "You do it in your sleep." Okay. So I on the Monday I happened to ring Dolores and and the cat club, and I said, "Dolores, it's fine to me." And she said, "Did you get my email?" And I said, "Your email." She said, "Yeah, about the cancellation." I said, "I was ringing you about a lunchtime show." She said, "Yeah, I have a cancellation." Very incredible. And you hadn't seen the email at this no. stage. You hadn't opened your email. No. And I said, well, she said, how soon could you put the show together? I said, when do you want it? <laughs> yeah. She said, and how the, soon could, the eighth, three weeks. So I said, look, no problem. I'll be there. And we got five performances in there. And really, do you know after five performances, how a show comes together? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just and I, I just thought, this is lovely. The people from Mantier were up. And um, like yeah. I, I'm, I go down to Mantier anyway. I'm huge in Johalla. Yeah, <laughs> massive. My claim to fame is that I'm massive in Johalla. Yeah. You know, and um, so. But the Glen Theatre is a special place, anyway. Isn't, isn't it, it though? Yeah. It's ah, listen, I just I I keep talking about it. And people be thinking, oh, for God's sake, why do you go down there? Yeah. But I mean, like, if you look at the, on the wall, 
uh, in the corridors and uh, like everyone. People who played, yeah. Oh, and I have anyone. yet to have interviewed anyone who's played there that don't come out fulsome and praise. And everybody wants to go back. Because everybody wants to go back. Because do you know why, Patricia? It's because it's everything about theatre that's that's good. Mm. It's more than the performance. It is. Yeah. It's all about the performance. Of course, it is. But like when you have the performance and you have what goes on before it, uh, after it, uh, the the picking of the people for it, mm. like it's an all inclusive. It's like a community centre. Yeah, and, and, and I found and it's, out it's run. It's run as a community centre. Like they're all volunteers in there. They are, yeah. and I found out that it's the best way in the world to. to it's about the only rural pub. In in, in uh, the only pub in rural Ireland doing business. Yeah, every other pub in rural Ireland is suffering from yeah. shame loss. And the, and they're and they're volunteers be behind the bar serving you your drinks. There you it's, go. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's been, okay. Now talk to me about the show. The show is made up of all, all the different characters. Um, that's right, uh, Patricia. Could I just say, as Ultra on here, that I'll be just showing my face because I will be canvassing in the area and Saturday night in an effort to to get another seven years. I, I thought I I was good while I was there, even though I said I I'd only stay for a little while. But Sabina said there's a lot of dusting more to be done. <laughs> but uh, so I'll be there, and I Seth, will you will you go? But you should all mind him at all now. I'll Danny Healy Ray here, by the way. And and, and <laughs> I I I'll be dropping in myself on Saturday night. If only to be saying that I think for no Michael D's a nice man, but Jesus Almighty. We've heard enough of him. Seven years is enough now. He had much more to say now, he say, so he can go off for himself and enjoy his retirement into the sunset with the five grand a week and let let somebody else, because that job really, to be honest with you, just for people who have all nothing to do and all day to do it. And I tell you, no better man than Michael D to do that. <laughs> and then you have the, that, don't mind them too, no, they're always fighting, Patricia. Are they always at Always it. at yeah. it. And it Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
one from the live line kind of retinue. We, we may have um, on the grass, the tantir and the lat uh, might drop in and say a prayer or two that the, that tonight's proceedings will go well for Frank. And they were. He's a nice lad. He doesn't have a GAA bone in his body, uh, Patricia, but he's, he's for all of that, he's one of our own, and, and we've taken him to ourselves, like in Bounty. And, and when you do the show, do you do costume changes, or is it just you? Face in the crowd. Not at all. No. You wouldn't get away with doing that. That this no, can't. no. Patricia, how long is it since you were in band here? I know, yeah, I know. It's very be. sophisticated yeah. now. We use costume so changes, just, lights, and sound, <laughs> and everything. Microphones. And it's then, fabulous. And then the music playing while you're running off to change. And, well, I yeah. The mu- it's all. Now, can I say it? it's all rehearsed? Is it what rehearsed? happens? Is yeah. <laughs> I go None on. None of us off the cuff. Yeah, that only the bits with the audience usually like. With, like you know what are you doing touching me there stop that take your hands off my box of chocolates <laughs> stuff like that because in band tear like that they're in the front row I remember myself and Packy yeah, doing a Santa Ponza on one time knee. Yeah. With myself and Packy doing a Santa Ponza act three where we throw hands on schnicked off the cliff which for us meant off the stage Yeah. and Packy had to say to your man all the front row will you take your legs off the stage for a second <laughs> <laughs> so it's informal. It is. Actually, it's interesting that you mentioned Santa Panzer Boss because the last time I was discussing this yesterday with Bernie, the last time I reckon you were in live here in studio, I think we've spoken over the phone, but live in the studio was with Parky for Santa Panzer Bust. How long did that run for? And, and uh, talk to me about how successful that was. It was very successful. It was the most, uh, it was the, it was the most successful kind of home-written, home-grown uh, comedy, packing out of all the business details yeah. of this, but, but I mean, like, I mean, it did very, very good business because we did five shows and it got a kind of shot in the arm the second time around when um, Dragon's Den. Yeah, because you, you, we went, you, on, dra- you went on the TV. Packy said that to me and I thought he was insane. Yeah, please. I remember that. You were dead against it, thinking we're going to, they're laughing us out of us. Yeah. They loved us. We got a year's work out of it, Patricia. Did and you? then the recession hit. And the first thing that goes during a recession is entertainment. Mm. We, we we came out of it and decided we'd say farewell Santa Panza, which we did. Michael Toomey, God rest his soul, there's not a day goes by when I don't mention his name. And that's the truth. Because he was guy. such a great man yeah. and uh, delighted having to us all. And I learned so much from him. But when, so it was suggested sometime back that we would like do a cabaret version of Santa Panza and, or take it to the opera. And I said, no, no, no. If it's going ever back anywhere, it'll be to the op- it'll be to the Everman. Yeah, and that would depend on Julie, and whether she had a week, because we wasn't going in there who, to go nowhere. So it's not gone. It is. We're bringing it back. Oh, you are bringing it we back. We are oh, uh, in the new year. Okay. We're bringing it back, and by huge demand, we're bringing it back. Because they, well, I mean, the figures speak for themselves. Yeah, it was like when so we did. Successful. We actually r- went in for a week and ran for kind of two weeks. Well, well, we ran for ten days because for the for the following week I was away on the, on Monday and Packy was in Dublin, so we missed two days. But we opened on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So it'll it'll be uh, uh, the new year. Are you back in rehearsals yet, or? Well, we're we're. Do you know what we're back at? We we, we took it out and we were looking at um, how much of a revamp we'd have to do on yeah. it, and we discovered that really apart from the like we we'd have to update it in terms of. 
Facebook references, yeah. social media. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you can get off your phone. Yeah. You're all Do you know that kind of thing? Yeah. But other than that, that the plot as it is and the story, and because it's character driven. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Patricia, it's all girls. about the people. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's how very they funny. react. It's, 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 it's and, and yourself and Paki, you still work away. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We work on the Funny Fridays. Yeah. That's what the most of this is. Yeah. Uh, well, I do. I do stuff that I decided, look, I'm never going to get a chance to try new stuff. Mm. So the, there is new stuff. There's Jackie Healy. There's, there's Carmel from Santa Panza. Yeah. Finishes up and she, like does a big 20 minutes of a long, drawn out kind of story. But it, she's, they love her. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and and but but I come on to start my, as myself, which was new for me, not new totally. Is, is it scary being on stage on your own? I know you've got the music, no, but that's not. I'm first. not a bit no. scared. Yeah, you're no. not. No. Well, well, I like what happens is if you're doing the job, you have the lines that you're supposed to do, and you're you, you just say if, if King Lear mm. for off the top of my head now. But you're, you're King Lear, and like before, half an hour before you go on, you're King Lear in your head. Yeah. And you're looking at this and you're talking as King Lear and you're thinking as part. King Lear. Yeah. Right? So when they call you, you, you really don't hear, uh, like, Mr. Toomey or whatever it's your King name Lear is. King Lear you're hearing. You're, you're, you don't hear it all. You know you're to go and you go. You very rarely would be ch- switching there and then and say, come here, it was a lovely day today, wasn't it? Yeah. Always be gone for you. Yeah. So you're King Lear. You're absorbed, is what I'm saying. So I wouldn't be a bit afraid. I I I, I don't even know where I'd be. Yeah. I know what I have to do, but but to me, I'm where I'm ever. I'm supposed to be on the page. Because you love doing what you're doing. I. Do you know what? I I do love what and I do. And you still I, love doing what you're doing. I thank God for it, yeah. Patricia. Do you know why? No, I'll tell you why. When I started off this job, it was in 1977, eight. Or n- nine, and I got a job in a in, in a an old Pearson production of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Liam Neeson, John Kavanagh, Joan O'Hara, Ray McNally. My right? God, what a lineup! And he said, "I can give you work for six, for six months if that's what you want to do, and you'll never get a chance to be to work for six months." And Frank, I tell you straight, you'll never be a pro actor if you stay in Cork because you won't be able to. And I had to make a big decision, and I did, and I moved, and I went for it. And there were times, honestly, in my life when I was on the breadline, I didn't have anything, you know, and I thought, this was a big mistake. Now I thank God that this is the job I do, that in my 60s, I can go out. If I was an electrician now, or a technician, or a mechanic, I wouldn't be able to work. I wouldn't be able to work. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be getting work. They'd be implying young fellas. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you become invisible yeah. after certain age, as yeah. you as you probably know. Whereas, whereas you can work well, on. I and can on. work. Yeah. I've never been busier. Thank That's God. Brilliant. That is brilliant. When we mentioned the dragons, then how many of those dragons are running for the oars? Uh, the ones you dealt with. D- they Duffy. were actually yeah. Gavin Duffy. Gavin Duffy and the other guy, Sean Gallagher. Sean Gallagher. <laughs> both of them gave us a f- five grand each. 
They all give us five grand. They, we didn't take it. Like. I, know, I know, you're going to be, you're going to be caught when, when it comes to voting. The other thing I've been told that I have to ask you about, because when I was Googling you yesterday, oh. you always come up with a picture of Bosco. And we were looking at Bosco on the paper yesterday because he's doing his 40th anniversary tour. And then Bernie said that she was at a show somewhere that you were in and she overheard two women arguing, that's your man from Bosco, isn't it? And she said, that's all that they were talking about was you. And it is, it's not, it is the man from Bosco. Well, what are your memories of Bosco? My memories of Bosco are extremely happy because, um, first of all, it was it was it was for me it was a it was my I was in in television. I moved in 1980, and this was 1983, and now I'd been given a contract. Probably in your early twenties. Yeah, yeah. Mm, late twenties, desperately late twenties. Oh yes. And I'm there. I get a job in RTE, and to be honest with you, Patricia, I thought in the door RTE children's programs, afternoon programs, uh, evening programs, the late late. That's the, that would be the the, yeah, the, the tra- trajectory. None of it, <laughs> because Bosco was so huge. I know we were rooted to the spot. Jonathan but Ryan was there as well. Was he was he, the he was there words? in the early days, yeah. but like none of these, none of the. I mean, sorry. I was lucky. I was very lucky because I, 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 I immediately hit it off with Paula Lambert on a personal level. Oh, at the Bosco. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she helped me because I didn't know what I was going for. Yeah. I, I was told by, by, and I'm not name dropping them, but I was told by Mark Cagney from yeah. TV2, who's yeah. always a friend of mine. Um, there's the, this audition's around, you should go for that. Sure, kids, you should go. I went, but I didn't know what I was going for. I didn't know it was a puppet. And she told me what to do. By yeah. the time we got to do it, I had a, a kind of a relaxation thing. Yeah. I got the job. Um, I actually ended up moving in with the Lamberts. Go away. Believe it, yeah. Go away. I moved in and because I had, uh, Paul had all the programmes because she was Bosco. I yeah. only had one third of the programmes. Yeah. So I actually minded the kids and lived in the house while Paula went to work. It's not I be- incredible. became but, a part but, but, of the family. But it's it's mind-boggling. And when you look back now, I mean, it, Bosco was huge. At because it was of its time. Yeah. It was the only programme that was going out with an Irish accent. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because there was Sesame Street and there was all those sophisticated yeah. programmes. But the kids, like, responded to what... And this is where the professionalism and the thought came in. Paula Lambert, who, who was doing that, pitched that voice at that level, which adults found excruciating. <laughs> but kids Didn't. talk like that. Yeah, yeah, so in the yeah. middle of all the din, yeah. like the matter about would be gone on, the kids would hear the, wow. hello everybody, hello. and they were gone. Yeah. And actually people used to come up and say to us, it's the only 20 minutes apiece we have. Yeah, in day. the house, yeah. yeah. And, and of course the repeats then, they just kept running. Well, the what repeats. they did was they got a, a Bosco for every day of the week. Yeah. I can't believe I'm talking about Bosco. Hello. I know with a show going on Saturday Night in Lance here that desperately yeah. needs booking. Yeah, but you see What's people, the number of the theatre? Have you got people, it? People, Ber- Bernie, can you get me the number of the Glen Theatre and Bantier and Fast? Uh, so people, we can give it out. People will remember, people will go along and will look at you because a lot of people will know Frank too with the voice from, from Funny Friday but they'll look at you and I'm telling you yeah, the eight years have been good to you you still look like that young man that was there Bosco's friend all those years ago aren't you the fabulous don't presenter I, don't I say all the come nice here, things come here can I say something to you I used to have a gag before well it stopped me from getting work 
to be honest with you. Did it? I did. It did. For a while. Because everywhere you just walk in, they'd say, it's no, Bosco. sorry, you can't use it. Because of Bosco. Uh, um, it's a drink. I was called back once because the English people saw me in the morning and said, great, you've got a wonderful facial expression. My golden, have you ever been anything before? And the advertising, no, great, great. Come back in the afternoon. Did. And then the, the guys in the Dublin age are, are to a man shaking their heads furiously. And one of them comes up to me and says, sorry about this, no, but are you, are you, are you, um, Bosco? Are you Bosco? <laughs> yeah, basically. And I said, um, he says, can't choose you. <laughs> this is for Guinness. Oh, that's so unfair. This is for Guinness. I said, I drink Guinness. <laughs> he said, I know, but like, the oh, kids. You couldn't. You so couldn't. we couldn't, so that was gone. Um, uh, but, but if I was to play the part of, of, of Jesus himself, in in the last redemption of 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 Christ, or in, in whatever it is called, truly at the end I'd be on the cross, and two people would turn in the audience and say, "Come here, come here, are they after crucifying Bosco? Oh, oh, oh stop! They crucified Bosco there, lad. And what did you make of him in twenty eleven coming out as a boy? Because for thirty three years he hid his gender. Um, I'd uh, say it was probably so uh, pressure of social media. media was it? I stay out of it now we're just friends the I Glenn just Theatre and Brand 2 is 029 and you really do have to book because the one thing why we're, we're talking about how fantastic the Glen Theatre in Brand is it does book out because it's it, oh, you know the I was told the by the management and uh, yeah. thing that you can give away a, a set of tickets oh, a pair of today tickets. Yeah. and tomorrow. Oh, can I? Okay, very good. Bernie no, so so I'd like to call our number something, you okay. know, something we'll do, high. We'll call our number 1000. Well, I, I can <laughs> see Bernie. I can. Bernie, we'll go with call, lucky caller number 13 oh. to, to say Bosco. Uh, down the phone to Bernie uh, will win a pair of tickets to go along to the Glen Theatre now it is this Saturday night uh, so call us now 1850 Pat O'Brien says best of luck to Frank on Saturday, Saturday oh. night he's such a nice guy says Pat O'Brien and someone else says I still have my Bosco from when I was a child my children and now my grandchildren um, are listening to it can I ask that person in, in to New bring Margaret. that Bosco to the Glen Theatre on Saturday night there you go, where yeah. you could make a tidy fortune. Did you go to Those dolls yeah. exchange for over a grand. Are they? I they're, kid you yeah. not. They're hard to come by. Hard I saw one, by. I saw the, the very thing happening in the regional hospital in Cork. And sure, when they were doing the the the, the history of Ireland, the, the John Creedon programme where they were looking for your memories, the Bosco mug turned up. Listen. And then, and remember, we spoke about it and everybody said every house in Ireland had one of those Bosco mugs. They did it, they did it. We were there, you were there. And where they said to me, Frank, would you come in and do a, a retrospective of Bosco 30 years? And I didn't really realise we were, uh, until I saw like the 30 years that we'd had been doing this. Well, sorry, like it was actually, we were 83 to 90, what's that, seven years? Yeah. Seven years making it actively. And then by then, Patricia, they had a Bosco for every single day of the The, year, including Patrick's Day, Easter, Ritson, everything, Halloween. Yeah, and then that's where, that's where I'm not saying our team were mean. They just kept repeating it. But your look. And then the argument was, well, it's a new generation of children, so they'll have forgotten. And and they were, and like, there's about two or three generations of Irish kids who would have a collective memory. Of, of, of Bosco where they would all remember it as a programme and certainly people would have personal memories whether it be uh, I still love the programme or uh, whether it would be um, 
I remember being on a train once and this woman said oh, next to me, she says, come here, am I knowing you? I'm going to say something to you. Know. My three children, Mary, John and Michael, loved you when they were small. I had never had a moment's peace until you came on. And then she turned to Michael, who was on the train with her, at the bar. Now, whatever emotional attachment Michael had with you when he was five, he was now 25 and drinking heavily, and she screeched at him, Michael, Michael, look who's here. Come down to Basco. Michael wanted to jump up at the junction, as you can imagine. And uh, get off the train oh fast, and she's like, he was embarrassed, I was embarrassed, so we put her off at Limerick Junction. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was. Did you see the the Lambert family having to close the theatre? I thought that was. Really I, sad. It's very sad. Uh, and the poor son was just. Oh no, Anna's been back on. They recorded. They've all the tapes of Bosco recorded. She plays. She replaced. Oh, she doesn't have the doll. All right, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. Uh, your text. You can stop calling us, Marion O'Reardon in Cullen has uh, won the tickets. Marion is going to the Glen Theatre and Band here for everybody else that wants to go. Oh two nine. 56239 if you want a good laugh on Saturday night 8 o'clock I take it it's half a state half a state because there's a mass on in Bantier at, on a Saturday night we take everything into account so it's a, after and mass after 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 Okay, listen, uh, enjoy it as I know you will. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure as always to have had you in the studio and we'll talk again soon. And thanks, God bless thanks you. for Thank joining you. us. That is uh, the wonderful uh, Frank Toomey. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Jane Pickett will be joining us in the next hour from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket answering all of your pet questions. If you've got a pet question, get them in, please. And we'll also catch up with a lot of calls and comments that have come in throughout the morning. Thank Thank you to a number of people saying how much they enjoyed the interview uh, with Frank Toomey. He's a funny, funny man. One night only in the Glen Theatre and Band here on Saturday night. Uh, veterinary questions, pet questions, please get them in. If something wrong with one of the animals in your house, get your questions in. Bernie takes the calls at 1850 333103. Text or WhatsApp your pet questions to 0862 103 103. Before we take a look at some of your texts and comments coming into the programme, Kate uh, Crowley from the West Cork Rapid response has asked me to mention a night that will be happening in the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon tomorrow night fortnight isn't that it yes the 12th of uh, October there is a health and well-being night going on in the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon now the reason I know all about this is I've been invited along to be MC for the evening it's been organised by Bandon Co-op and the National Dairy Council and on the night there's a great lineup of speakers the dietitian Paula Mee uh, I did a similar event with Paula a couple of years ago in uh, Canturk she's Paula Mee and we've interviewed her on the programme before as well she's a fantastic dietitian she's one of those women that you could just sit and listen to all night because she makes such sense when she's uh, talking about what, what we should and shouldn't um, be eating. So she's definitely worth listening to. She then will be followed up by psychologist uh, Shane Martin because we all know if you want to have good health then you definitely have to have good mental health. So that'll be an interesting chat. And then the night wraps up with a cookery demonstration and the cookery demonstration uh, for this particular health and wellbeing night is being given by the wonderful Dervla O'Rourke. Now that's going to be a really interesting uh, cooking demonstration. Tickets are €10 Euro, and everybody who attends on the night you go away with a little goodie bag you get a gift bag on on the night which is always nice it's always a nice kind of way of saying look thank you for calling here's a little gift bag for you but the really plus 
about this, what's going to be a lovely night out is that all of the proceeds from the night are going to the West Cork Rapid Response. So it's in a really, really good cause. If you would like to purchase your ticket in advance of the night, then if you are in the Riverside Shopping Centre in Bandon this Saturday, the tickets are going to be on sale between 10am and 4pm. I take it there is some kind of a stall at the Riverside Shopping Centre if you want to get the tickets. So they're €10 each and it would be lovely if we were able to announce that the the tickets were completely sold out in advance of the night. But it definitely is a date for the diary. Friday, October the 12th, two two weeks tomorrow night, Munster Arms Hotel for a health and well-being night. But let's see if we can raise as much money as possible for the wonderful West Cork rapid response. And I look forward to meeting uh, as many people as possible that turn up on the night. It, It will be fun. I promise you that. Okay, some of your comments coming in. Mike in Castletown Bear says, Patricia, I'm just wondering if you could give a shout out to this. And I'm wondering if more of your listeners are being annoyed with crank phone calls. I've received a lot in the last couple of weeks. People need to watch out for them, says Mike in Castletown Bear, thanking you. I'm wondering what you mean by crank phone calls, Mike. Is it the, are they the scam calls? Is that what you're talking about? If you want to give us more detail on what you mean by crank call, we do know there has been an increase in the scam calls, you know, be it the computer scammers who are trying to tell you that there's something wrong with your computer and they're trying to get into your computer or the other one that we're getting a lot of calls from it's one of the new ones telling you your broadband or your phone is going to be cut off if you don't pay your bill but half the time people straight away realise that it's a scam call because they're not even with the company say if somebody rings up and you know your air broadband is going to be disconnected well I don't get my broadband from air says herself and of course the caller quickly hangs up and realises well I'm not going to make any money out of this one and then there's other ones where they try and uh, get you the really worrying one where they try and get you to go to the post office to the Western Union and send money. They're trying to, they're scamming you, letting on they're from the bank. There's a lot of those doing the rounds. So if if that's what, you, what you're talking about, Mike, yes, unfortunately there is. If you're getting uh, an unprecedented amount of them, I would suggest getting on to your call provider to see some of the call providers are able to put a block on your phone line. They may be able to block some of your calls and of course, if you have a smartphone, you can block the calls as well, even though that doesn't always work because the weekend I was getting calls from what was the Ivory Coast um, and I kept blocking it. I got three or four of them almost in rapid succession. They just kept coming from different numbers, but I just kept, obviously didn't answer them and just kept la- blocking the numbers. It does get a bit annoying. I accept that. Now, we've been talking about the alcohol, the labelling the new labels on alcohol warning of the impact of harmful drinking and um, how it can cause uh, cancer. Well, according to the Minister for Health, who's pushing this, Simon Harris, he reckons it'll prevent cancer, even though not everyone is convinced that by putting a label on a bottle of beer, it's going to stop people drinking. Pat says, Patricia, has the smoking ban stopped people from smoking? The answer is no. It was all a PR exercise by Fianna Fáil. Fianna Fianna fall in Fine Gael. Has it stopped cancer? No. Micheál Martin brought that in because Mary Harney was in trouble at the time as Minister for Health and no, now they seem to be in trouble again so I feel this is just Minister Harris pulling a stroke, says Pat. Well, um, Micheál Martin's very proud of the fact that he brought in the smoking ban so I think he will, he will stand over it and has it worked? It has and actually only this week I was reading a report that was published in the British Medical Journal that was looking at the prevalence of smoking in 
Irish teenagers, uh, 15 to 16 year olds, which is generally around the age that people take up smoking. And that has declined significantly since the smoking ban was introduced in, ni- in 1995. 15 and 16 year olds in Ireland, 41% of them were smoking. And when you look at that figure in 2015, that's down to 13%. And everybody points absolutely that that was the smoking ban. And it, you know, 100% it has been successful. No, it hasn't stopped everybody smoking. But if what we can do and achieve by the smoking ban, if we can get some smokers to give up the cigarettes, but the most important one is to stop the younger people from taking up the habit because they're the ones who get addicted. They then are the adults that we're trying to get them to give it up. So from that point of view, it is working. And I know Professor Chris Luke, who is director of the Tobacco Free Research Institute Ireland, they're hoping to get Ireland tobacco free. How is it deemed tobacco free? It's tobacco free if you've less than 5% of the population smoking. They say that Ireland is still on target to achieve tobacco free status by 2025, which isn't in the scheme of things that far away. And they reckon we'll have smoking levels down to less than 5%. Only time will tell. Michael Bantry also says, I think the advertising alcoholic cigarettes should be banned from TV. I also think off licenses should be cut, should be shut down and shut down for good. Uh, says uh, Michael, they'll still get their alcohol from somewhere, even if you decide to go down that route, Mark, in my words. There is, though, when we're talking about young people not smoking, there was also a piece of good news in that teenage drinking in Ireland seemingly has fallen dramatically in recent years. This is according to a European study. Young teenagers in Ireland and the United Kingdom, they're still unfortunately among the worst in Europe for drunkenness. That's the binge drinking side of it. But the actual prevalence of them drinking is falling. Weekly drinking among 15-year-old girls dropped from 34% to 8%. That's good news. And it also went down from boys for 42% to 11, 11%. But the bad news in it is that a higher proportion of Irish girls have been drunk at least twice in their lifetimes. And we're talking about teenage girls who shouldn't even uh, be drinking. And then the HSE um, are advising parents how to cope with their young people drinking and they sort of they come at it from the leaving cert results as that being one of the what should be one of the first times that young people drink now knowing when they'll, they'll have parents laughing at me saying if you think you can hold them out to 18 before they have a sip of alcohol you know you're there's very few managing to do that. But when they are going out to, to celebrate, the HSC are saying you need to talk to your young people and you need to talk to them about what they're going to drink and how much they're going to drink. Uh, you know, and try and get them away from the spirits, try and get the shots seem to be the big problem and advising them like to drink soft drinks in between the alcoholic drinks, not to get into rounds uh, with friends. The HSC are saying to parents, you need to be able to talk to them about who they'll be with, how they're going to get home, that ties in with what Mary Critic was talking about yesterday with those three young girls getting raped in their first couple of weeks in uh, college and then for parents you know you've got to agree a time that they have to be home also important to let your child know that they can call you no matter what they need to feel that they can safely call if they or a friend gets into trouble the HC advice to parents is to be informed around the risks associated with alcohol chat to your teenagers openly uh, about it and reassuringly for parents research has shown that children 
who have had that conversation with their parents, where their parents openly talk about alcohol and educate them. And those teenagers that learn a lot about the dangers of alcohol and drug use are up to 50% less likely to use alcohol and drugs than, do, than those that don't have the conversation. Isn't that, that's, a, that's a, from a parent's, from a parent's point of view, that is re- very reassuring to hear but you need to have the conversation because I thought yesterday when Mary Crilly from the Cork Sexual Violence um, uh, Sexual Assault Unit was talking to us I thought it was really sad when she was talking about the three teenage students there were two were 18 one was 19 away from home for the first time and in the last couple of weeks three of them have been raped and she's been working with all three and one of the young girls is not able to tell. None of them have reported it to the Gardaí. But when I was saying, are they, do, do they have support from home? Two have dropped out of college. One has remained in college and they're battling to try to keep her in college. But they're also trying to get her to tell her parents. And this young girl said she can't tell her parents because she was drinking and her parents don't know that she was drinking and she feels because she was drinking you know, the rape was, her, was, was in, in some ways her own fault, uh, God help her. But I thought it was sad that obviously in her household, she hasn't been having that conversation around alcohol and around, you know, how to look after yourself when you go out. And because of that, she now ends up in a situation that she can't go home and even tell her family uh, that she has been uh, raped. Actually, some comments in on that issue that we discussed yesterday, how much a girl drinks, said somebody. Uh, it doesn't make a difference how drunk she is. She should never be touched. I say lock up the men for life and throw away uh, the keys. But then somebody else has a different view on it. And, and I know Mary Crilly will see this as victim blaming. Says, Patricia, do you leave the doors and windows of your home open when you go to work? Well, if you did, you wouldn't get much sympathy if there was a robbery, would you? Are you getting my drift where personal safety and drink and attire are concerned? One simply needs to take certain precautions. It's naivety not to. Where are Where's people's logic? You can decide you have a right not to be robbed in your house. Therefore, you have a right not to leave your doors and windows wide open, but you would be regarded a cl- as you would be regarded a clown. But surely the same logic needs to be re- uh, needs to be applied for personal safety. Well, yeah, absolutely. I don't think any of these young girls should be putting themselves, you know, wandering down dark alleyways at two in the morning um, with too much drink taken and not knowing where they're going. But don't blame the victim. You know, I mean, these young girls are victims. They were the victims of rape. And in many ca- in all three cases, they weren't out on their own. They w- I don't know what way they were dressed and it shouldn't matter what way they were dressed. In two of the cases, they were at a house party and they were with people they thought they could trust. And in another case, the, the young girl was with somebody she thought she could trust and the rape actually happened in her student accommodation. So, you know, they were looking after their personal safety. They, they were were being careful not to be out and stumbling home on their own drunk but it was the fact that they had drink taken they thought that they were given off the, the wrong impression so no I, I certainly don't in any way blame any of those three girls I will never get involved in blaming the victim uh, there's there's no man should rape a woman or no man should rape another another man plain and simple it's just it's it's um, it's a crime and it needs to be called out as a crime and victims shouldn't be uh, blamed back to the first early communion issue just a couple more in on the this. Uh, it's a laugh 
to hear some of the parents say all the pressure getting your child ready for First Holy Communion. If that be the case, stay away and go if you oh, if you have any interest in your child. It's not pressure, is it, to socialise, to take them to McDonald's or to take them to the circus. We'll continue your parenting duties like it was done for you, I'm sure, says a texter. Dan says, Patricia, somebody once said, suffer little children to come on to me, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who was it exactly who said that? I can't remember. Tongue in cheek, says uh, Dan. And one final one, Patricia, I think those who don't have any interest in mass, etc., should simply stay away and do what they like for christenings, communions, confirmations and weddings. Don't let the church be used and abused. Let the Catholic Church show some dignity and respect for our heritage. It's our heritage, so please don't mock it. 1850 Lines are open. A reminder that we're taking your pet questions, please. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Dohalo Citizens Information Outreach Service. They are commencing in the Temperance Hall in Canturk and they're there this morning. Hamilton High School are holding an open evening tonight between 5pm and 7pm. We invite you to go along, meet the teachers and students. There'll be information on the wide range of subjects of, and, and activities on offer. And they're enrolling now for September 2019. Trad for Troca with Johnny Bongos and Friends, Hibernian Hotel. That's tonight at 10 while As I Am, it's an interactive exhibition which brings visitors into the world of people with autism. It'll be held in the Clonakilty Parish Hall tonight from 10am to 4pm. And Community Lotto goes ahead tonight in Ollie's Bar in Kildallery for a jackpot of over €1,000. Lucky dip draw will also be held. A legal information session will be held in the Cope and Quarter Town in Mallow tonight at 7. Omara Law Firm will discuss issues relating to will and inheritance for people with special needs. And all roads lead to and from Skibbereen this weekend for a walking festival taking place from tomorrow Friday to Sunday the 30th of September. Guided walks through quiet country roads with some off-road sections suitable for walkers of all abilities. Check it all out on skibbereen.ie. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment now. 1850-333-103. And we're going to band and guard the station for this week's Guard the File with uh, Sergeant Ian O'Callaghan. Uh, good afternoon to you, Ian. Good afternoon. Uh, and you're welcome. And I know you want to give some uh, burglary prevention advice, but first, there has been some thefts, starting with one in Rathmore. Uh, that's right, um, an unusual one there as regards there there was nothing actually stolen uh, but a shed was entered uh, that was unlocked and some gardening equipment was was moved around Uh, so clearly uh, the trespassers in this instance um, whatever they were seeking was not in the shed at that time Um, but important for listeners to be aware you know at all times have their sheds garages locked uh, with robust locking mechanisms and ensure everything inside in the garage or shed that is of value is photographed and some degree of property marking is on it, Patricia. Yeah, because we a lot of us have expensive items in those sheds. I mean, you know, things like lawnmowers and strimmers, they can be quite expensive. Uh, they are, indeed. Um, you know, you could have several thousand euro worth of, of property built up and acquired over the years in your garage, in your average domestic garage. And 
Sadly, uh, when members go to scenes where there's been reports of thefts, um, far too often um, people do not have stolen items photographed or even a record of what the serial number on tools is or even there maybe a bike or something like that. So that's why it's, we're constantly uh, trying to raise the awareness there. It's so important to do it, uh, particularly the property marking from a preventative point of view and locking uh, your sheds. Uh, with proper robust uh, steel-based closed shackle padlock. And, you know, it's so important that even if you have an alarm in your house, to look at extending it into your uh, garage as well, if appropriate. Okay, and you've got some more thefts? Well, we do. Um, I suppose just in relation to uh, theft of over €2,000 worth of tools there in Lissard and McCroom last week, there has been an individual arrested and charged and property recovered there. So... That's uh, some good news there. And a house under construction at Golian, an orange steel console and Kingspan solar panel controller were stolen between 6.45pm on Tuesday the 11th and 7.30am the following morning. So again, we'd urge anybody connected with the construction industry to go onto the Garda website and download the construction checklist challenge, which has some very useful information and probing questions that will assist anybody in the trades industry to get them thinking about crime prevention in relation to their tools and plant and machinery. And an incident happened then uh, between Friday the 21st at 4pm and Monday the 24th a weekend at Derry Minahan in Castletown Pier. And there was roadworks occurring and the contractors uh, left some plant and machinery, which is relevant to what I just spoke about there and returned on the Monday morning and found a rock breaker um, had been stolen uh, from the side of the road, approximately €2,000 value there, Patricia. Okay, and you need to mark everything, don't you? Just because at least, you know, if God forbid it gets stolen, uh, but, you know, you do have successes with locating some stolen items, but then it's hard to get it back to the owners. Absolutely. Um, Within seconds on, on our computer system, we can input recovered property that we believe to be stolen, um, input the serial number, and within a second or two, it will pop up if it is recorded, no matter where it is in the jurisdiction, it will pop up who the rightful owner is, um, if they have reported uh, that item stolen with the serial number, uh, Patricia. So that's why it's so important to have a record safely kept of serial numbers of any valuable property you have in your garage or indeed in your home. And darker evenings are, are in already, um, Ian, and the winter's approaching. We all need to really take uh, crime prevention seriously. Well, we do, we do. And I suppose in my role as crime prevention officer, um, a lot of my work is spent working in conjunction with the Garda Analyst Service. And there has there is evidence to suggest that, you know, there does be spikes in residential burglaries heading into the longer evenings, um, you know, between 6pm and 9pm um, the criminals do target houses which are unoccupied and that is why we put such a big emphasis on the light up campaign around this time every year um, it's you know it's primarily that if there's any uh, criminals passing uh, the roadway where your house is that as they pass because it, they're opportunistic um, if there's some degree of lighting or timer switches engaged, it gives the impression the house is occupied. So it's very, very important to be for people to be aware of that for their own homes. And indeed, um, if they see any suspicious activity in neighbours' houses with strange cars or vans pulling out between those hours, 
and there's clearly no lights on, um, it would be important to uh, contact our local Garda station uh, without delay. Okay, and uh, good news to hear there was no reports of break-ins to cars. Are people finally listening up well, and heeding the warnings? Well, we certainly hope so. And again, thanks to yourselves for giving us the opportunity, I suppose, to create the awareness out there uh, amongst the public that this is one particular type of crime that 100% in, in most scenarios can be prevented. Um, we did raise the issue uh, several times over recent weeks about a space of instance, for example, with unlocked cars. People were in the habit of not locking their cars outside their homes. And we did see some instances at graveyards and other popular walking routes of smash and grab incidents where handbags primarily were left on display. But yes, thankfully, for the whole Cork West Division over the last two weeks, we have had no reports of any such incidents. So that is positive and that's for good. people that's, to, to that's maintain the good practice. Let's, let's, keep, let's keep that up. And actually, we've had a call in about these scam calls. Uh, a listener is getting calls. They're coming up on his phone from Somalia, Uganda, the Congo. Uh, and he's, they're just annoying him more than uh, anything else. And it's the one where the phone will ring for a couple of seconds. They want you to call back. And of course, when you call back, you get on a premium rate uh, call and it ends up costing you a fortune. Uh, but wondering, is there anything that can be done? about them um it's very little only awareness uh these are calls are being sent from servers outside the jurisdiction many thousands of miles away in most instances and even my own mobile um is getting uh such calls as well all we can do is advise people uh simply any unrecognized mobile number particularly um, outside the jurisdiction with lots of digits um, it's simply not to answer that mobile and I do concede it is annoying for people to be getting such calls um, but it is unfortunately outside of our control all we can do is advise the general public not to ring back such numbers uh, Patricia Yeah yeah, and as annoying as, uh, as it is it's, it's unfortunate and you would like to acknowledge a member of the public who phoned in about erratic driving Yes um, this happened in the last two weeks. Um, a, my colleagues were notified in the West Cork Division of erratic driving. Um, members were in a position to quickly respond. And what transpired was it was actually a motorist who had diabetic issues and was, I suppose, going into a, an early stage of shock. And thankfully, we were able to contact medical services and that person made a full recovery. But it's just to acknowledge um the call that was made in a timely manner and that we were able to prevent uh, possibly, uh, you know, a bad incident happening. And I suppose, you know, just for diabetes, uh, diabetes sufferers to be aware, um, you know, to always be in contact, regular contact with the GP in relation to advice and issues, um, particularly if they're driving. But you welcome those calls that if somebody is driving and they notice somebody, as you say, in this case, it was driving erratically, you know, pull in and ring the local guard station, is that what you say? Yes, 100%. In a lot of scenarios, such cases uh, may well be directly related to the driver having an intoxicant, but we do see instances over the years, not often, uh, it's very rare uh, that such an incident can occur or did occur in recent weeks, uh, but it is a possibility, but it was due to a member of the public making a quick well phone call um, that led to, I suppose, a, a potential uh, tragedy uh, from not happening. Okay, and the person's okay, and that's uh, and that's the good news. And just Patricia, I suppose we're coming into the winter months. People are looking at oil, and the price of oil is up on last year. And you know, from my experience with reports of oil theft, nearly 
all of them are down or directly attributable to people not having locks in their tanks. So for people to consider that as part of their um, purchasing of home heating oil over the coming months as well, Patricia. Okay, all right, uh, Ian, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Uh, Good afternoon to you. That is uh, Sergeant Ian O'Callaghan joining us from Bandon Agartha Station, 1850-333-103. Your pet questions, please, because Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket uh, will be joining us in studio. And actually, I I spotted um, something that came in earlier. We might ask and see if Jane has advice on this. Sheila in Kilavollen was on to us to say she found a white owl last night. Now, she said it doesn't seem to be injured, but it was standing in the middle of the road. And she has taken it in for safekeeping. But she now wants to know what does she do with the owl? And does anybody know of anyone that runs a bird sanctuary, ideally somewhere in Kilavallen, North Cork, surrounding areas or anywhere in Cork? Um, But she's looking for advice on what to do with a white owl who just was standing in the middle of the road, looking a little bit stunned, I imagine. And we'll see if we can get some pet, um, some vet advice as well. If anybody else... um, has our nose of a bird sanctuary can you let us know please 1850 when we've been talking about scams hi says Mary I got three calls with a recording saying my internet has been compromised I hung up uh, it was a five digit phone number said Mary every time it was a different number uh, and then they were asking me to press one do not press one do absolutely do not press one because what will happen is then you'll get connected onto uh, I would assume some kind of a service that'll be a premium line or else you'll be interacting with somebody who will be trying to get your uh, all your credit card details from you avoid at all costs and on what else is coming in oh just final two in when we were talking about those uh, young girls that were raped uh, yesterday that Mary Quilly was talking about and then somebody was saying today you know that they drink too much they've got to look after themselves and you know there's an element of protecting your own safety and that includes protecting yourself and I was saying please you know these are victims here let's not blame the victim somebody says Patricia are you for real of course dress code is important respect for yourself cop on no they shouldn't have been raped but like the girl with the skirt I can't be had says I'm not quite sure what you mean about the girl I can't be had but anyway here's somebody blaming the, the, the way somebody's dressed I don't care how somebody is dressed they still do not deserve to be raped they are still a victim uh, the man is still wrong in a case regardless of what the girl was wearing and somebody else says any man that rapes a woman should be castrated no excuses Patricia Messenger on C103 nominated for Speech Broadcaster of the Year at the 2018 IMRO Radio Awards and Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket which is part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group uh, joins me in studio good afternoon to you uh, Jane on a lovely sunny afternoon I have yeah. to say you brought the sunshine <laughs> with you now the hour and our, the owl that was found last night and I promised I'd ask you about it this was a listener who contacted us in a bit of a pickle Sheeling in Kilavallen was out driving last night and this owl was standing in the middle of the road and uh, I suppose she took it home because for safekeeping what's your what would you suggest doing 
you know, I think it's a really difficult one. I think she did the right thing taking it out of harm's way because in the middle of the road, you'd be frightened that the next car that would come along would kind of do the deed and the little owl might not be with us for much longer. So I think she did the right thing from that perspective. Now, I suppose it depends really on if the owl was just stunned, had a slight knock but appears largely unharmed or whether it has any kind of damage to its wings. And I think that's the big factor as to whether it will be okay or not. I suppose my advice would be if it looks very kind of with it and it looks like it's standing up and, and wants to kind of move out of the cage if it's looking a bit annoyed at the situation being locked in I'd say it might be worth in a quiet area tonight maybe seeing if it will go on its merry way and fly away what I would say is if it looks in any way unharmed or if you're unsure that it's um, in any way injured I think the best thing to do is to contact the ISPCA because they do fantastic work, work with wildlife and they'd be able to give you some advice and if yeah. needs be they'll Someone be able else, to bring it. Someone else, James Abandon yeah. is has suggested a name of somebody in Birdwatch Ireland, Ireland yeah. or another group that would yes. be able to uh, to, to, to give uh, good exactly. advice. Would you put it back in the same location where she found it? I think as, lo- as long as it was a safe place then yeah. yes yeah. I would do because obviously they have their, their own kind of surrounds that they're used to and they know where their food sources are within that so I suppose you don't want to disorientate an already slightly disorientated yeah. bird anymore yeah. so if you could as long as it's safe just fallen out of a tree or something or you know it would be rare enough to be honest I think there has to have been some aspect of trauma or illness to disorientate a bird to be standing in the middle of the road so I'd be a bit concerned so I'd say if you're in any doubt I'd contact the ISPCA and they'll be able to help you out and ever the comedian Jim says the owl probably doesn't give a hoot standing (laughs) in the middle of the road thank you for that Jim okay I have a Westie says a listener who has fleas I put spot on on in July and again in August I had her groomed a fortnight ago washed out her bed etc but the fleas have remained what do I do Oh, you know, this is a really difficult one. There could be a few things going on. So firstly, from a flea perspective, I think the important thing to think about is the flea treatment you've got. If it's a spot on that goes on the back of the neck, for example, which is the most common thing, is making sure that it's a product that's very safe and likely to work. So if you've got it from a vet or a pharmacist, the products that we sell generally, we stand behind them, have great confidence in them. But the important thing is that we would know whether they are safe and effective. So if they're actually going to work, whereas some other products that might be available might not have gone through the same testing um, to ensure that they will do the job as it were. So I'd say check with your vet um, to make sure that what products you used are, are effective. You say that you've kind of washed the bedding surrounding it. I think that's a really great thing to do. Um, Make sure it goes through a hot wash. But the important thing to remember is they can hide in all sorts of other places. For example, they Mm. can hide in skirting boards, in the carpet. And there are sprays that you can get from your vet that you use kind of in a well-ventilated room to treat the rest of the house for fleas. Because it's not just the adults, it's sometimes the eggs living in the the environment. Um, So I think you've definitely got a good start doing the spot on. But maybe have a chat to your vet about treating the environment as it were. The other thing is it might not just be fleas that are the issue Westies are incredibly prone to being allergic to things in the environment and a lot of the time we never really figure out what it is but as a breed we know they're prone to having allergic skin and being very itchy so yeah Yeah. and they tend to suffer from it quite a lot so I think if fleas are the issue then great it's it's an easy fix but you might need to speak to your vet about robustly treating the home environment to make sure there's nothing left at home but if the itching persists I would say contact your vet well stay on the itching because um, (laughs) hi uh, uh, a question for uh, Jane your vet I have a West Highland dog who's licking and biting his paws Mm -hmm. what can I do to stop this please well I think 
I suppose similar to the previous caller, it was it's a first a case of making sure that there's no fleeds, mice or lice that are causing any problem because they're the easiest fixes, as it were. Um, and again, visit your pharmacist or predominantly your vet to get some good spot on product or a tablet for that. But if if it's a distribution where we're licking at the paws and chewing at them and it's a West Highland White Terrier, again, very much a similar thing is I will be concerned if there isn't a parasite problem that it might be that there's either an infection or an allergy going on and that's definitely something. If they're very distressed as well, if you imagine if you have an itch yourself, it really Trifle. winds you up. You can't sleep. It's yeah. really sore. So I think the best thing to do for that little pet is to pop it along to your vet and have an assessment. And get, and get it checked. Yeah. Um, it, it, itches seem to be the order of the day. <laughs> I've got a Labrador. I've spent a lot of money on tablets Tablets and sprays for an itch on the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've ended up with loss of hair. It seems to be a constant itch. Yeah, you know, it can be a total battle. And I think the thing I say to all of my owners that have itchy dogs for one reason or another is if it is something that they seem to be prone to, it can be a bit of a roller coaster. And a lot of the time, if it's not a simple fix like uh, fleas, mites or lice or an infection, it is something that's managed over time. And I think making a really solid plan with your vet as to where you go from there, whether it be further tests to get to the bottom and and have a concrete diagnosis of what's causing that itch. Or if it is, let's say, an allergy to something in the environment, having a plan ongoing as to how best to make sure that 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 pet is comfortable, whether it be anti-itching medication in tablet form or sprays or even modification of the diet. There's lots of things we can try for pets, but I think having a really solid plan of where you're going with your vet is the best thing to do. It's probably one of the most difficult things from a veterinary point of view in itch, isn't it? Trying to literally... Pardon the pun, get to the bottom of it. It's That's really, really yeah. challenging because I think the thing that happens is we start off with one problem, for example, fleas. And before you know it, if you're itching and itching and itching, I suppose you have to think about our little dogs and cats are walking around outside and it's never going to be clean where their feet are. Mm. And then they itch and scratch with their feet and their mouths and there's bacteria living in there. And all of a sudden they've set up an infection on top of everything else so it becomes a more complex problem the longer you leave it. So I think the main thing I'd say is as soon as you notice an itch, Try and get it sorted. And, get it and then it's, it's a series of elimination, it uh, ruling it out. Margaret in Panton says, should we worry? I have a male cat. Mm-hmm. His stomach has gone huge. It actually looks like he's got a belly full of kittens. Obviously, he hasn't. Mm-hmm. He was neutered about four years ago. Is it just a weight issue? It could be a number of things. I suppose it depends on whether your little male cat is feeling well in himself. Is he eating and drinking normally, running around, playing, doing all of his normal activity? Or is he, let's say, a little bit down in himself, going off his food, not feeling so well or having having trouble, let's say, with vomiting or, let's say, trouble breathing? If he's really well in himself and he doesn't seem to have changed in his demeanour very much, it could just be a weight issue. But I think there are lots of problems that can manifest as a bigger belly. Sometimes it can just be fat and we can just be getting a little bit portly. Sometimes it can be a problem with, let's say, fluid in the belly. And that can happen, for example, if we have heart disease or a problem in the in in the abdomen itself, whether that be with the liver or the kidneys, the spleen. Um, and it's definitely something I would be a little bit worried about. And I think for everybody's peace of mind, if he is just getting a little bit portly, your vet will be able to tell you. And then you can go down <laughs> the then, diet route. Exactly. Yeah. And I think dietary management, if we do have a pet that's getting a little bit, um, getting a little bit tubby, for their own sake very much like ourselves their risk of chronic diseases is yeah. usually lower if they're and like four that's a young cat it is a young cat yeah. and I think if we are beginning to pile on the pounds a little bit and it is just weight that needs serious tackling yeah. early before the problem but get it, get it out ruled out that it isn't anything serious exactly, exactly. Uh, um, hi Trish and Jane my dog is a sheepdog eats his nuts but won't chew them he swallows them whole is that harmful? Oh, you know, it can be sometimes in the sense that sometimes you see patients 
parents that will bolt their food down so they'll get all excited and eat all their food in 20 seconds flat and then vomit it up. And that's one thing that you see and that can be a bit of a problem because obviously chronic vomiting is never good for the, the food pipe, the esophagus, because mm. um, it's very acidic what comes out of our stomachs. Um, one thing you can do if he does bolt his food is get a puzzle feeder. So sometimes you can get these bowls that have ridges in them that make it a little bit hard, harder to get the nuts out of. So instead of taking 20 seconds to eat the food, it might take a minute or two. And as well, I think it's more mentally stimulating for them because if you think about dogs, they're used to scavenging, as it were, in the wild way back in primitive times. So if you can kind of entertain that part of their brains by making it a little bit harder for them to get the food, but obviously not too frustrating, then they feel more kind of mentally satisfied, but also it gives them time to kind of register, oh, I'm eating my dinner and they feel a bit fuller. And that's, I think, for weight patients, particularly when they tend to bolt down their food, they don't feel full. It's like ourselves. If we eat things really swiftly, we don't realise that our tummy is actually getting really full and then we think we can eat another portion or another course. And it's exactly the same with dogs. So I think it's really good for dogs that bolt down their food to have some stimulation and try and get the food out of the ridges of a puzzle feeder. And you can get them from pet stores, but your vet generally has them because they're something I normally prescribe for weight management because it gives them a bit of extra time to think, oh, I'm eating my food. Right, grand, I'm full now. Okay. Um, so that's a good thing. Yeah, and why Why do some, is it, is it a habit? habit more than anything is is it kind of a habit thing you know it can be a habit but a lot of the time i think some of them are so food driven that they're just so excited they get themselves all wound up and particularly if they get fed at the same time every day they just get all excited okay gotta leave it there thank you for that Uh, that is jane pickett of the islandwood veterinary hospital in newmarket part of the mill street veterinary group that's what i leave you for today thanks to bernie murphy who produced even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.